Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The number one secret to spiritual success is living with a healthy, spiritual appetite if that's the number one thing that you're striving for this morning you will be successful in your walk with god if you're striving for something else it'll never work you say well i want a happy marriage if you're not striving for god first you will not have the marriage that god designed never so wherever you're at in your walk young old middle age doesn't matter That has to be the driving force. Each and every one of us deals with struggles, frustrations, and letdowns in our lives. How we cope with them is entirely different for each person. Unfortunately, a majority of people will often go far and beyond without ever giving consideration to God as an alternative. In today's study, Pastor Mark discusses the key to a fulfilled life and how to live that life more successfully. Each of us has a desire for God whether we acknowledge it or not. When we seek God first and foremost, everything else will fall into place as we learn from Pastor Mark in our message. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Psalms, chapter 32, verse 8, with his continuing study entitled, Get Ready to Be Blessed. Now, if I'm, if I'm a meek person and God doesn't have to put the bit in me, what is the promise that will happen in my life? Well, there's the next verse, verse 8. Look what he promises you and me this morning. God says, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way, the way you should go. I will counsel you and I'll watch over you. That's a tremendous promise this morning. It simply means that the meek person says, your plan for me is good. You don't have to put the bit in my mouth. I'll let you direct me. I'm submitted to your word and to you. And I will just go with what you say. I willingly submit to you. That's the life. That's the blessed life. So the meek person, how do we define it simply? This is the definition you want to write down this morning. The meek person is a humble, disciplined, you can't be undisciplined, person who is under the control, not a robot, the control of God. I'm under the rule of God. That's what it means to be in the kingdom. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, now you've never been this. Those of you that are brand new Christians this morning, this is all new for you because you're used to doing your own thing. No, you don't do your own thing anymore. You do God's thing. Well, how do I discover God things? That's why we're here this morning. It's right here in the Word. Now, in the Bible, well, there's two special people that are called meek. The Old Testament is Moses. 
The New Testament is Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that Moses, we discover this in Numbers. It says, Numbers 12, 3, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. What does that mean? He was eventually controlled by God. He realized he needed God. Well, how long did it take Moses to become a meek man that God could use, power under control? How long? 80 years. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he tried to prove he was somebody. He took things in his own hands, killed that slave. God says, okay, that didn't work. The next 40 years he spent where? Shepherding sheep in the wilderness. God said, I want to show you that you're a nobody. He took everything out of Moses. Well, Moses lived 120 years. What was his last 40 years like? God says, now that you're submitted to me, I'm going to spend these next 40 years and show you how to be a meek, listen, a meek, powerful servant. A meek, powerful leader. Now, to us, that sounds strange. A meek? Can you imagine saying the President of the United States is a meek, powerful leader? Doesn't make sense. But see, God's kingdom, it makes perfect sense. It simply means that he said to Moses, Moses, you've discovered that without me, you can't do it. That's a good thing. But with me, under my control, you're going to be very powerful. And we saw Moses. I mean, he hit the, he hit the rock once and what came out? Water. And one day, he was over the Red Sea. Can you imagine Moses in his own strength? How many times would Moses have to use his rod to hit the Red Sea before the Red Sea would open up? Without God. How many times? How many times do you think? Two or three? I mean, he'd still be beaten until his hand fell off today. But with God, wham. See, power under control. Moses was the meekest man. And look how powerfully God used him. Incredible. So don't get this picture this morning that when you submit to God and are humble and need his direction, that you won't be powerful and used mightily by God. It's exactly the opposite. You will be. Because that's the only way God can use you. Now what's our blessing or a reward of being weak? Every one of these challenges has a reward. Well, let's read verse 5 again. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, when I read that, I think, well, I don't even want to be weak. Who wants to? Who want, does anyone here want this earth today? There isn't anybody that wants this earth. This earth is a mess. I mean, it's just a mess. You know, when we speak about God's wisdom, it's always upside down. I thought of how the world thinks this morning. To control our world, men that are going to control our world today, what do we think they're like? Well, they're like proud, self-sufficient, ungodly, aggressive. I thought of the, in Jesus' time, the Herods of the world. I thought in the early 1900s, the Rockefellers of the world. I thought in the mid-30s, the Hitlers of the world. You say they were in control. They were harsh. They were self-sufficient. They were aggressive. They got the whole world. They did. What do they have this morning? They have nothing. Well, they do have something. Unless they change, they have a little bit of real estate that they own. But they wish they didn't own it. It's called hell. 
So what does it mean here when it says, for they will inherit the earth? It simply means this. The meek person, the Christian, who is controlled by God, knows that this world that we live in this morning is going to be what? Destroyed. The book of Revelation tells us that after the tribulation, after the thousand-year reign, God is going to take this earth and just wipe it clean and build us a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. Now, who will inherit that? Who will live there? Those that are meek, controlled by God. Is that good news to you this morning? By the way, when we get this new heaven and new earth, how long will we be there? For how long? Forever. Well, how long is forever? Somebody define for me. I want to be defined. How long is forever? You can't define it. It means forever. We don't even know what that means. Isn't this amazing? We're here Christians this morning, and here's what happens to us. We're so stuck to this crazy world. As I'm talking about that this morning, some of you are thinking, I think I'm going to have roast beef this afternoon, and I'm going to have the, the green beans over there on the side. No, I think we'll go to Jason's because they're delis and they're salmon. I'm talking about forever and perfect paradise. And we're talking about, I think I forgot to put the beans out for the roast this afternoon. Am I right? I'll just think about it. And maybe it's worth an amen at the end of it. If I'm a Christian, I'm under control of God. I'm going to live with God forever in paradise. Lord bless these slow people. Aren't you glad you're not going to live in this world forever? We're going we're gonna to live forever in heaven. That's incredible. So that's the promise. That's the promise. That's the reward. Now, I get God's presence right now. I get his direction today. But I have the promise of eternity forever. So write these three down. I put them up for you every week. Here's the summary of this one of the, of the eight Beatitudes. What's the godly attitude? What does meekness mean? A person's humble, disciplined. Submitted to God's control. Humble, disciplined, submitted to God's control. Now there's always, because God's wisdom is counterculture, there's always an upside down. The world says, I don't need that. Here's how I'm going to operate. Power, pride, and I'm uncontrolled. But by the way, that gets you nothing. So I have to fight that. And number three, my reward, I get to enjoy the new heavens and the new earth forever. So, here's a little bit of homework for you. I don't have time to get to it today. But as you're studying this week, Psalm 37. This is where Jesus got part of his teaching from. Because in Psalm 37, it says, the meek will inherit the earth. Also, Psalm 37 says this. Don't worry about the ungodly. Don't be upset about them ruling the world, because their rule will come to an end. Don't get upset about it. It's a great passage to study. Now, so the first three Beatitudes, and, and uh, I want you to watch because it's kind of, it's very uh, graphic. Picture me this morning as a, just as a bottle, and uh, I'm, I'm filled with myself. So there's this red liquid in me, and I'm just filled with myself. Well, the first three Beatitudes are, are all about mourning and meekness and humility, and uh, in what they do is kind of drain me of me. Do you follow me? The first three Beatitudes say this. You can't do it in yourself. God can do it for you. You got to get rid of the you. And so 
the first three Beatitudes just drain me. Just watch me. All, all of me. And it doesn't mean my talents and my abilities. God uses it. But my self-will, my pride. God says, if you're going to be useful to me, you've got to just be drained of the old Mark Balmer. So I'm drained now. I'm a bottle and there's nothing in me. Now what? Well, God says, now that you're empty, I'll fill you. Well, what's he going to fill me with? Himself. That's what the next beatitude is. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So I have to be emptied before God can fill me. And that's what he's doing for some of us this morning. He's emptying us of our pride. Self-made men. I've heard a pastor say that quite often. Somebody says in their congregation, I'm a self-made man. The pastor responds to the person, what part did you make? How interesting. How interesting. So this next passage, verse 6, tells me what God's going to fill me with. Look at it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So this fourth beatitude speaks about our desires and our ambitions in life. What are you hungry for this morning? God made us with desires, physical, emotional, spiritual. What are you hungry for this morning? Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Well, here's a picture. In Buenos Aires, they're known for their, their beef. And uh, their beef is incredible. You, you can get this huge sirloin steak or even a center rib or ribeye or whatever, about that big, about that thick, with vegetables and drink and everything, 4 to $5, anywhere, anytime. Unbelievable. And it's actually, Buenos Aires, is, you know, it's, it's a heart attack waiting to happen is what it is. But it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, some of the stuff wasn't too good. You know, we went out to the farm and the ranch, and they had the blood sausage, and they ate the enterals and the gizzards and the hearts, and they cut all the stuff. You know, just pass, 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 pass. Somebody said, well, I'm not a meat person. Well, I got something for you. Desserts. Desserts. You see, God made us with appetites. You have an appetite. God put those desires in us. There's desires that are emotional. I want to be liked. I want to have a relationship with people. Uh, There's uh, sexual relationships. God put that sex drive in us, and he put it in marriage and said, have at it, enjoy it, but only in marriage. There's all kinds, but the most important drive that God put in us is one, and it is this one, the spiritual drive. Now, I want you to look on the overhead and take a look at what Solomon said, the wisest man in all the world. What is the drive that I have in me? It says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. So God has put within you and me a hunger for God. Every single person that was created was created with a desire to have a relationship with God. Not know about God, but have a relationship with God. St. Augustine says that until that person has that relationship, they will always be restless and hungry and unfulfilled. So that means every person that Jesus was speaking to on that day, he was sitting there talking. Uh, only Only the disciples, the guys that were really followers, were listening. But everybody else that he was talking to, everybody else, 
Even though they didn't know it, everybody else had this incredible desire to know God. But they couldn't figure it out. Now, why couldn't they figure it out? Because of this. Satan counterfeits how to fulfill that hunger. Well, what does he use? Well, Satan this morning uses a lot of things. Uh, Just think in your own life. He's a great deceiver. And so he says to us, well, there's this desire in you. It's only for God. But he says, well, fill it with power, authority, success, comfort, happiness, sexuality, even dead religion. Go through forms. Fill it with that. But it doesn't work. Look what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen, and I will tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. Good for the soul. Good for the spirit of man. Good for the thing that lasts forever. Well, where do I get that kind of food? What is the market? Notice verse 3. Come to me. What I was excited about yesterday in the baptism was hearing the testimonies of all the people. And I walked with the, one of the young couple and, and there and back, and, and uh, the individual was just telling me, as an adult, it took him more than 10 years to finally figure out the problem in his life was no God. And then when he came to the Lord, they all three got baptized yesterday. When he came to the Lord, they've been coming now for a number of months. God just changed their whole family. And then I said, all these young families. I went, oh, yes. You see, Isaiah the prophet said, you've tried everything. And our world says, it isn't about God. It's about stuff. Now, the, the, the perfect model of that is Solomon. You see, the world is starving for something that satisfies. They continue to try to satisfy it with everything but God. They're restless. Everything over the next corner is greener grass. That's going to do it. It doesn't do it. I don't have time, but you can study in Solomon chapter 2. In Ecclesiastes, he writes, and he goes through this list of stuff that Solomon tried to fulfill that void for God, that, that hunger. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, being right with God, having a relationship with God. Well, Solomon went down all these roads. You remember it when we went through there. He tried building. He tried parks. He tried power. He tried education. He tried wisdom. He tried fun, parties. He tried women. He had 300 concubines and 700 wives. At the end of all of that stuff, what did he say? Here's what he said. Everything is so weary and tiresome. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not Content. Write this down this morning. It'll remind you because we're all tempted here. The biggest mistake in life is trying to satisfy our spiritual hunger with physical things. It will not. Nothing wrong with having a boat. Nothing wrong with having a business. Nothing wrong with having property. Nothing wrong with having a vacation home. Nothing wrong with getting a great degree in a college. Nothing wrong with all those things. But they will never fill the void for God in your life. I have something written inside my Bible. As you know, I'm like a 4A personality guy. I'm always striving for whatever. You wouldn't even want to hear what I'm thinking God's going to do next. You'd be tired just listening to me. But I wrote in here, in my Bible, I have to be careful. I will always want more. So the thing I have to focus on is more of God. He'll take care of all the rest. 
He'll take care of all the rest. I just need more of God. And that's so true for you this morning. So the last part of that, maybe you got it, says this, that without God, life is insatiable and cannot be satisfied. Cannot be satisfied. You will never, ever, ever fill that void. So, well, Pastor Mark, what, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for God then? Do I have to be weird? I've told you many times, I'm not weird. And I hunger and thirst for God. You say, well, I'm not, the, the jury's still out. Oh, hush up. I'm not weird. So here's the next thing I want you to write. It's a key principle. It should be in the front of your Bible. The number one secret to spiritual success is living with a healthy spiritual appetite. If that's the number one thing that you're striving for this morning, you will be successful in your walk with God. If you're striving for something else, it'll never work. You say, well, I want a happy marriage. If you're not striving for God first, you will not have the marriage that God designed. Never. So wherever you're at in your walk, young, old, middle-aged, doesn't matter. That has to be the driving force. So ask yourself this morning, do you have that desire to grow spiritually? Do you want to have a spiritual appetite that's healthy? I'm going to tell you this morning how you get to that and how it works in our life. Now, speaking about spiritual appetites, in our newspapers today, we have all these pyramids now, new health pyramids. You know, it used to be grains and this and that and the other and low fat and now it's all. We got all these new pyramids telling us how to be healthy. Sometimes we don't, we don't understand our world. I'm going to take probably seven or eight minutes. I'm going to go through this quick. But I want your attention. You need to understand the world we live in. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the United States this morning. There's a man named George Barna for many years who is, every year does a survey spiritually of our world. Well, I can't be really useful in the world unless I understand what the world's thinking, what it's like. So I'm going to show you this morning. The latest survey just came out. And I'm going to show you some things in there. We begin. He categorizes people not by born-again, evangelical, atheist, and notional Christians, but he defines what they are and then puts them into these categories. So in the United States, just finished the survey, 40% of the people say they're born again. Now, they don't check a born-again box. They check a box that says this. Listen. I've made a personal commitment to Christ Jesus that's still important in my life today. I also believe that after I die, I will go to heaven because I've confessed my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Forty percent of the people in the United States said, yet that's who I am. That means Barna calls him, just his definition, born again. Now there's a subset of that. This subset are called evangelicals. They believe the very same thing the born again people believe. But seven other key principles that he lists. Deep within the heart of every man, woman, and child is a desire for fellowship with God. Today in our study of the Beatitudes, Pastor Mark taught us that no matter how hard we look elsewhere, we'll never find a suitable replacement for God. Pastor Mark also taught us that once we begin this relationship, the key to a successful life with God is to maintain a healthy spiritual appetite. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure to tune in next time for Pastor Mark's message. He'll be teaching us ways in which we can better grow in our relationship with God. In our study, we'll learn that the best way to grow in our walk is to strive for a closer relationship. Whether we're in a dry season or simply desire more of God, Pastor Mark will teach us that when we ask God for more of Him in our lives, He's sure to answer faithfully. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.